Is it connected? Okay, good evening, New Philadelphia Church. It's a long name. <laughs> good evening, New Philly. Okay. And welcome all the guests to New Philadelphia Church. I'm really, it's really, yeah, nerve-wracking, but <laughs> it's my second time preaching at Friday Fire, and yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm confident that uh, God has downloaded something in my spirit to speak to you tonight. Amen? amen? Hallelujah. So you're encouraged to say amen, and you're encouraged to nod and smile at me. <laughs> so help me out, okay? Help me out. Okay, <laughs> let me <laughs> begin with the word of prayer. Father God, I'm just so joyful and thankful, Father, that, that you called me to stand here preaching your words, proclaiming your words, Father, Lord God, with confidence, Lord, because you are never silent to me and yours are living and active, O Lord, because your son is risen and resurrected, O Lord. Jesus, we just, I just sing hallelujah to you, Father God. I'm just so thankful and just, I'm just so excited, Lord. And Jesus, I just pray, Lord God, this is simply my prayer that uh, you may use me, Lord, just to point your people to the cross, to your son, to your love, O oh Lord. That's just simply my prayer for tonight, O oh Lord. Jesus, you receive all the glory, all the praise, because you deserve them, O oh Lord. Jesus, in your, precious, in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I'm just so excited. My voice is going higher and higher. <laughs> okay, let's go to um, today's passage, Genesis chapter 4. Verse 1 through 7. So New Philadelphia Church is using ESV Bible. So sorry, apology to the guests. Please share your Bibles. Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 7. It's my favorite book of Bible, Genesis. You should be at the story of Cain and Abel, right? Everyone ready? Okay. Let's read it all together. One, two, 시작. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and born Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord has regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his thoughts fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. His desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Okay, this is word of God for today. And I'm sure all of us are very familiar with this story. And you probably have your own answer to this question. Why did God accept Abel's offering and reject Cain's one? I know I sound like Sunday school teacher right now. <laughs> but let's take a moment to go back, your, go back to your own answer. Think of your own answer. Are you like 100% convinced? Do you really have your own answer? My answer took me a journey of a couple years to develop. Uh, it took a long time. About four years ago, I read this story for the first time in my life. 
just after, after my conversion. And you know, it's in Genesis, it's on the like page four or five, you know, first few chapters in the Bible. So I read it, and I've, after I read the story as a newborn, like baby, baby Christian, guess my reaction was, man, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, it seems like God loves meat. That was my first reaction, <laughs> you know. God received the animal <laughs> and rejected the fruit. God must, yeah, love some meat. That was my first reaction. And second thought, is God showing favoritism to the younger one? You know how parents, you know, like the youngest better, you know? Uh, yeah, I'm one of the yeah, youngest. <laughs> and the third thought that came to my mind was, God, it's so unfair. It sounds so unfair. Cain was a worker of the ground. A farmer would prepare Veggies, fruits, or grains, of course, why not? But Abel was a shepherd. Of course he has some animals to kill. That, that was my thought, right? Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's, it's like natural, right? At that time, my Bible study teacher, after cracking up for like five minutes, kindly, kindly taught me that the Cain's offering was a ritual formality rather than a product of faith which is represented by Abel's product of faith. And one of my Bible study group members, she suggested that maybe it's because Abel's was one of the firstborn of the flock, the firstborn, which is meaningful in God's eyes, as indicated really clearly. But when, on the other hand, Cain's fruit was seemingly not, it's not indicated that clearly, right? It doesn't say anything like that. So I was thinking... Maybe that. And in addition, I searched more. My study Bible, it said that the contrast is between a careless, thoughtless offering and a choice, generous offering. Motivation and heart attitude are important. Yes, they are important. Even though they are all decent answers, even though they are all right, but deep in my heart, I wasn't really satisfied. I wasn't like fully convinced. Is that really it? And I was still thinking, it was a little bit too harsh, God. Poor Cain. I think you kind of, kind of overdid it, Lord. It's too harsh. And for a couple years afterward, so years passed. I put it in my backhead and I didn't really think about it anymore. And then, when I came back to the passage after reading most of the Old Testament, and then I came, came back to it, of course, New Year started, <laughs> and I realized, oh, something crucial is missing in Cain's offering. Compared to countless offerings done in the Old Testament, as well as Abel's, something crucial was missing. Of course, Bible doesn't tell us clearly how and why human beings started the tradition of offering. It doesn't really clearly say. But the first official record of this offering done by human being is by Cain and Abel's. You know how they are, son of Adam and Eve. You know, they are the first generation who was born into the world and raised here after you know, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the you know, Garden of Eden, right? So I guess... God must have been trying to give them some sort of clear instruction 
as clear as possible, you know, about what would be acceptable, what would be accepted to God, and what would not be accepted from the first time. Is that right? Do you think so? Yeah. God loves giving instructions, you know, clarity. Because he knew it would set the tone for the ages to come, for the generations to come. You know, it would affect the generations to come. You gotta do this. You shouldn't do that. Right? So it was not only personal or just family thing. It was for all the next generations to come, to follow, who needed to do the same thing, the same offering to God. So it was an important moment for God Himself. So let's pay close attention to what God said to Cain after this incident. God said in verse 7, let's go back to there. God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So he's rebuking Cain severely, straightforward. You didn't do well, so I do not accept yours. And your brother Abel, he did well, so he's got accepted. He's saying, Something is missing, Cain. You did something wrong. Something's off. And he continues, next part. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And Cain apparently didn't do well. And what's the consequence? What's the effect of it? So what happened? Brothers and sisters, I was like confused here. I was puzzled. Listen. He didn't say, if you do not do well, I will not bless you. God didn't say that. Or, if you do not do well, I will punish you. God, God doesn't say that. But nothing like that. But instead of those things, God, like out of nowhere, he talks about sin. He talks about sin. And he said, sin is crouching at the door. And in Hebrew words, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, right? In Hebrew, crouching it means something like a dog or animal is about to like pounce on somebody, right? It's like ready to attack somebody. And it's like right there. It's within, within a reach. It's about to like get on you, right? And this word crouching, sin is crouching at the door. And he goes on. It's a desire. It's for you. But you must rule over it. God is urging Cain to rule over the sin. But how? He, it must be something that his brother Abel did, but then Cain didn't. There was something that his brother apparently did, but Cain forgot or didn't obey to do. It caused this big gap. Cain is left with sin crouching at the door, and Abel has ruled over it. What was missing in Cain's offering? And let's go to Hebrew chapter 9, verse 22 to find the answer. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Our gracious Lord has given us the answer. And keep your finger there. We'll come back to Hebrews like yeah, several more times. 9.22 9.22. Okay, let's read it together. One, two, 시작. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Amen. 
That's right. It was blood that was missing. Right? Repeat after me, people. Aha, blood. blood. Okay, it was kind of weak. Once again, aha, blood. blood. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Okay, let me explain more about this. Why blood is so significant? Why is that so important? Revelation 5, 7, it says, In the heaven, before the throne of God, four living creatures, day and night, they never cease to say, what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Our God is holy. Amen? Amen. Our God is holy. It's not only sinless, but He's perfect, He's righteous, He's just. And holiness of God is essence of His being, His intrinsic attribute. It doesn't leave Him. And God and sin, by no means, they cannot be at the same place. They're not compatible. He hates sin so much that he cannot be near even to the sin. They cannot be at the same spot. But unfortunately, what happened? Since Adam and Eve, we are never lived, we've never lived any day without sinning against God. Romans 3.10 to 12, it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not even one person is righteous in God's eyes. And Bible clearly tells us that the wages of sin is death. Sin does have consequences, brothers and sisters. The wages can only get paid by somebody's death. Blood, it symbolizes life when it is in a living body. In my body, there are bloods running around, you know? It's alive, it's alive. But it means death. Blood means death when it is poured out of one's body. When it is shed, it means death. That's why God made Israelites heal the animals on behalf of them. God was so merciful that he allowed his people to transfer their sin on these animals, pure sinless animals. And by shedding of its blood, it was taken care of. It's done deal. By their death, wages of sin is death. That was the major purpose of the offering and animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. That's why they did it like annually. Whenever they sinned against God, they had to kill something, right? And two, <laughs> this was the purpose, to stay in a relationship with God, but at the same time, not defiling His holiness. Not making God contaminated, but staying in the relationship. By what? Shedding of the blood on behalf of their sins. Now let's go back to the Cain and Abel story again. Let's apply it to the story. And Abel paid the wage of sin, which is death, by shedding the blood of animal sacrifice. He was lucky, right? <laughs> I don't know if he knew about it, but he did. So he got accepted. Lucky. <laughs> and he was accepted to God. Hallelujah. But Cain, he didn't obey or simply just didn't know that the atonement, the forgiveness of sin, could only come through blood. God could not respect Cain's offering. 
because he was still guilty of sins. It wasn't washed away. It was still there, crouching at the door. That day, God made his point very clear. Somebody has got to bleed. Somebody has got to shed the blood. And God also knew that he himself will have to finish this offering. He knew that in his mind, from the beginning, the animal sacrifice would be only temporary. It's for a moment. And incomplete to save his beloved people from the snare of death. It's not enough. In Hebrews 10, 3 to 4, it says, But in these animal sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It says it's impossible. It comes up every year. You've got to do it over and over again. It's endless. But by his divine intervention, when Moses wrote this book, it was foreshadowed that the ultimately pure, innocent blood would come into the world simply to offer himself as an eternal and complete sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ, his only son. And it is said in 9.12, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. And over 3,000 years after Cain and Abel, the Lamb of God poured out his precious blood on the cross. We all remember that day. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and by his blood we are forever accepted to our Father. And his blood, his sacrifice, did so much that it's impossible to describe them all in one sermon. I was preparing. I was like frustrated. I cannot mention all of them. <laughs> what should I do? I was like stuck here. And I even doubt if we could fully grasp like what Christ did for us before we die. I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. But I read this book by John Piper preparing this sermon, The Passion of Jesus Christ. And it gives us 50 reasons why Jesus came to suffer and die. And John Piper himself even says that oh, these are just like scratching the surface level. So 50 is not enough. Among these unsearchable works done by the blood, tonight oh, I want us to just look at some Bible verses in the light of this Christ's blood. It's not very well organized, but. Bear with me. And let's see how powerfully his blood is working in our lives to this day. First verse that I want to share comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This really famous verse, right? Romans 12, 1. Let's read it. 시작. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In Old Testament, altar, altar is the place where you 
kill and butcher the animals, right? You just kill them there. <laughs> and countless animals in Old Testament got killed on it, right? Countless, so many by so many people. It was a place of blood and death. But praise Jesus that we can put ourselves as a living sacrifice, no longer as a soon-to-die sacrifice or dead sacrifice. Have you thought of it that way? (laughs) Aren't you really glad? I was so glad that I'm alive. I can be alive on that altar, you know, not to be killed. (laughs) I could just lie there breathing, you know. I was really just thankful. And I am leaving, I am lying on the altar, but the blood that covers me from my head to toe is someone else's. It's not my blood. Hallelujah. It's not my blood. When God looked down from heaven, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see my fault. He doesn't see my shortcoming or my ugliness or my failure. He sees the blood of his precious son, which covers them all covers them all. Not only just covers, it just clothes with his righteousness. Righteousness of Jesus Christ. Justice of him and the beauty of his only son. It just covers me. When God looks at me, he doesn't see Myung-ha. He sees Jesus Christ. Precious son. Remember that we are the sons of God. Remember Pastor Christian's sermon? We are sons of God. Not only daughters, sisters, we are sons of God because Jesus, he freely provided his precious blood for us. And every day, we need to go off to the altar, of course, because we sin every day, almost every day. No, every day. (laughs) And each time, we're just hopeless up there. What should I do? We're hopeless. But Christ is always there to embrace us, to cover us with his own blood. I'm just thankful. And it's by his blood that we are always, always acceptable, no matter what we do, no matter what happens. Blood is covering us from head to toe. And all we have to do is go to altar and ask for more blood. God, I did this. Ask for blood to cover me. And we are presented to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. Just as Jesus Christ was holy and acceptable to his Father. And times of trial, times of mistakes and failure, brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you guys all to remember that it's all good, it's all okay, because we are blood-covered failures. Amen? Yeah. It's kind of too quiet, so turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are blood-covered. Do it to like three people. <laughs> you are blood covered. Blood covered. Blood covered. Okay. <laughs> okay, before we go to second verse that I want to share, okay, let me briefly share a story uh, from my childhood, which is a little silly, but yeah, it was my story of how I encountered this bloody incident. But I was like sixth grade and one spring day, just like today, after school, me and uh, some of my few like girlfriends, we are, we were on like walking home on this side of road and on the other side, the bunch of guys, the boys, they were like going home, right? They're like 
kind of messing around, we were like kind of like joking at each other. And all of a sudden, we started throwing these little pebbles to each other, you know, like those little ones. So we were like, yeah, and we were like, yeah, or whatever. And all of a sudden, it got a little violent. And then one like pointy, like triangle shape, like a little bit big, like this big, not that big, but that, <laughs> that, that rock, right? Like flew into my forehead and it like knocked me like on my forehead. And I sat down in like pain, but it didn't really hurt me that much, but I was like shocked, you know? And I like holded it like this and then I sat down and I was about to cry. And then who did it? Who threw it to me? And I was like kind of like angry, but not that angry. It was, you know, we were like kind of playing. But then when I put my hand down like this, I saw blood <laughs> and started like streaming down my face like this you know and my upper body got like all wet like all bloody i was like all of a sudden my heart was like burning with this anger the resentment <laughs> seriously i was burning with anger so i woke up and i looked around but nobody was there like, oh boys were gone you know <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was burning with anger. So I was doing this evil eye the whole time. And I, intentionally, I didn't hold it. I just let it just stream down. You know, and it was like streaming down my face. And I woke up, I was like marching to my house like this. And you know what I realized? <laughs> yeah, I was one angry kid. But <laughs> you know what I realized through that incident? But it ended up, I found that, you know, later, my mom was like freaked out and then, but it was just worth a one stitch. That was just one stitch and it was over. It wasn't a big deal. But the blood, you know, it just drove me crazy. I was just so angry, you know. And I, <laughs> it's kind of humiliating, but yeah. And that story, where am I? <laughs> yeah, where am I? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, uh, uh. yeah, and I, yeah, and I got home. Yeah, that was it. And, yeah, and I, okay, yeah, when I was like marching to my house, you know, it was like, yeah, I think it must have looked like Moses walking through the Red Sea. Seriously. So when I was walking, now all these people was like crowded, right? All these people, they looked at me, they were like, oh, you know, <laughs> they were like shocked by this like redness of blood on my, like all over my, like, you know, head, all over my face, my hair. They were like, oh, they were like, they were like, okay, we'll pass by. Like, they were like so shocked to see my blood, you know? I pretty much like crossed them out, you know, it's like disgusting. And I ended up just getting one stitch, as I told you, <laughs> and that was it. But the memory showed me like how people generally react like very strongly against this blood. And you know, and myself included. And I really dislike blood very much. I don't watch horror movies at all. It's because of blood, I think. And you know, people, does anybody like blood? Like seeing blood or? Drinking blood, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, nobody really <laughs> likes blood. Yeah, that's the point that I wanted to make. And recently, <laughs> I was reading through my uh, Bible again, the Exodus and Leviticus, and which always hinders me from reading further. Leviticus, yeah, <laughs> it's a hard book to read. But like, I was like talking to God, reading all the stuff of, about like offerings and sacrifices. You know, that is so boring. I cannot 
with it anymore, you know? Why is this so complicated and like it's so anti-practical, you know? So much to prepare, you know? It's not practical at all. It seems pointless. Oh, it's so pointless that how you like took so many pages simply to talk about offerings, burning, killing, shedding the blood. You know, I don't like it, Lord. But if it gives you pleasure, some kind of glory, I was just, what can I say? I would just take it. That was my attitude, seriously. I was like talking to God. Lord, I don't like this. Like, itchy chapter, I don't like this. I don't like this. But Hebrews 10, 5 to 7, I was reading this, and it changed my complaints to a question form. It says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. God has not desired. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, God has taken no pleasure. What? 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 Then why, Lord, if you don't like it, why were you so strong about it in the book of Leviticus and everything? I was so confused. Why? But it didn't take long for me to realize that. Okay. Offerings and sacrifices is not for God. It's actually for man, for us. Let me explain some. Um, Technically, it looks like we are giving him offerings. We are giving him something, the dead animals, fat portions, whatever. But I realized God never needed to be served or fed by man. He never, you know, desired that. And he did not need it. It wasn't really necessary. It was us who needed a remedy. And by his mercy and grace and burning love toward his people, he invented this whole idea of offering an animal sacrifice and shedding blood and all this stuff just to help his children to come to him, just to make a way for us to come near to him. And for God, offering, sacrifice, shedding blood was so important. It was so important just because it was the only way for him not to leave us, not to forsake us. And for his children, just to come near to him. And he just wanted to be with us at any cost. It was simply his invention of love. I thought through the animal offerings, the Israelites were giving things to God. I thought they were offering something to God by human hands. But in fact, things were given to us, given to the Israelites by God's merciful hands. They received the right to be called righteous ones, the redeemed ones, and the beloved ones. So it was demonstration of God's selfless love. Even though he didn't need it, he just made it for his children. And it is expression of his initiated move of grace. The second verse that I want to look at is Hebrews 4.16. It says, Let us stand with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And Ephesians 2.13 um, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Both of the verses, they use this word near, coming near to God. And from the beginning, the time of Cain and Abel, until this moment, 
It's been God who always provided the way to come near to him. It wasn't us. Whenever I made a little one step forward to his throne, God ran to me hundred steps at once. It was never us that initiated any move. It was always God who loved us first. Even sacrifice and offering were expression of God's love and mercy and desire to come closer to his children even when we were still sinners, even when we didn't look at him at all. The completion of the sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, whatever, the death of Jesus Christ, it was the completion of the endless sacrifice. And it shows us that the wondrous, ultimate expression of his love, come to me, my children, come to my throne, Run to me. I made the way available for you. And 2,000 years ago, God finished the sacrifice by choosing to shed the blood of his own son to let us run to him freely without hindrances, without obstacles. Now is the time to run to his throne with confidence, brothers and sisters. And this day, with God's blood of Jesus Christ, amen? It is still with us. It covers us from head to toe. And that's more than enough. We are blood covered. What can we ask for more? We are eternally accepted. We are eternally acceptable to God. And we are called to run into his arms, clothed in righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your love, O oh Lord. I know all these words are so common in the world, O oh Lord. And everyone talks about love. Everyone talks about cross, Lord God. But I want us to really revisit the place, O oh Lord God, once again with a humble heart. Father God, thank you for shedding your blood for us, O oh Lord. Thank you for initiating, Father, Lord God, all the moves, all the invention of offerings and sacrifice, oh Lord God. And more than anything else, oh Lord God, thank you for completing the command, oh Lord. Thank you for completing the animal sacrifices, which seem like never ending, Father, by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die, to suffer for each one of us, oh Lord. Jesus, we thank you. There's nothing to be said more. We just thank you, Lord. We just give you all the glory, all the praise, oh Lord. And just all the hearts, all our might, all our lives, oh Lord God. Everything that we got for your glory, oh Lord Jesus. And Jesus, um, I just pray for Lord God. The people who do not have the conviction, do not have the revelation of who Christ really is, oh Lord God, for their um, personal lives, oh Lord. I just pray that you open their eyes, oh Father Lord. You open their ears, oh Father Lord. And you just come into their heart. You just knock at their heart, Father Lord. And come in and eat with them, Lord Father. And Jesus, let us have that revelation of who you really are and what you really did, Father Lord. Jesus, we just want to know what you did for us. Lord, I know it's going to take lifetime to figure out. It's going to take eternity just to understand how big your love is, oh Lord. But Jesus, we want to just run to you, into your open arms. We want to, Lord God, just want, we want to just run into you, Father, 
as you made this way available to us through the cross, Lord. Your cross as a bridge that connects you and us, O Lord. Let us run on the road of cross, O Lord, to you alone and always. Father, we love you so much and we worship you tonight. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.